Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing. A way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in. To fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month, and so I really wanted to spend some time this month talking with some of my friends who have gone through losses of their own because I know how lonely it can feel and and how overwhelming it is to know what to do next. I am really excited to kick off this month with one of my dear friends, Jordan Dooley. Jordan and I have actually been real life friends for a while now. She is an incredible author of Own Your Every Day. She's a speaker. Uh, She runs an online community for women and actually right now is launching a her shop again called soul scripts so we'll tell you how to check that out at the end but i am so excited to have jordan here with me today to talk about the topic of i am strong how to find strength to continue on after a miscarriage jordan thank you so much for being with me here today oh thank you so much i'm so thankful to be here and um you know, it's just, it's amazing how many honest and authentic conversations we've gotten to share in private and just, you know, you and I individually and to get to share some of the things that we've learned and takeaways and, and the processing that we've had um, with, our com- with our communities and with your community now is an honor and I'm really thankful. You know, I think something that is really hard, obviously, is in the beginning we would often talk about how our books were doing or how events were going or what type of business things were working or were not working for us and now we found ourselves in this conversation of well what are you doing and what's working as you're grieving your miscarriage how is your body doing how is your mind doing and that that shift is something that I'm so grateful that we've had that we can I hate that we share this experience I hate that you share this experience with me and I'm also so grateful that it is something that we've been able to talk about together over the past couple of months because it can be so lonely going through the loss and so I would love to just start this out with you sharing as much or as little as your story um, from this past year as you're comfortable with to be able to give whoever is listening just a sense that they're not alone and also um, from where you're coming from. Absolutely. Well, thanks for giving me a place to share it. Um, You know, I never expected this to be my story. And I think anybody who goes through loss or tragedy or grief can probably say that they've thought that as well. And there's been so many times over the last eight or nine months or 12 months, really, that I've told Matt, like, I don't understand why this has to be our story. And I kind of, 
you know, I look back and I think when I was younger, I used to think, gosh, I wish I had a more interesting story. Like, I feel like my life's been so boring and just normal, you know, and now I'm like, why did I wish for such a thing? <laughs> um, and now that I have that story, there's a lot of days I don't really <laughs> want it. You know, I'm like, never mind. I, I'll take it back, you know. Um, but the short, the short summary of our story is um, last year, right before Christmas time, like the first week of December, I found out that I was pregnant and it was not a total surprise, but it was something that we were, you know, much more excited, like much more open to than we were earlier in the year, just because we had been traveling so much. And so as the fall rolled around, we were like, okay, well, let's not not try is kind of how we approached it at first. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised to find out that within you know, just that short period, I, I got pregnant and, um, we immediately, I told Matt in a really special way. I wrapped this gift. I put it under the tree that we had just put up cause it was the beginning of December. And, um, I just asked him to come into the living room and I set up my phone and I had this, the positive pregnancy test in there with like a little baby sock, like stocking. And, um, I tied a note to the, to the test and said, you're going to be a daddy. And it was the most precious. It was like exactly what I'd always pictured, like telling my husband one day that I'd find out I was pregnant. Um, you know, especially right around the holidays and just all the excitement that comes with that. And so we just like stood there in disbelief and we were just so excited that day. And then we made a bunch of plans as to how we were going to reveal it to our families at Christmas time. And so we got everyone a little gift. You know, my parents got a onesie that said, guess what? And my grandparents got um, a onesie that said like great grandparents or something. So we gave everyone a something, you know, something special to open up. And we did a, a, and a little bit of an early Christmas with my parents because that, that year we were planning to go see Matt's uh, parents, which are in Arizona. And that's actually how we got connected when I was uh, living out there for a short time. And you were still living in Phoenix before you went to Nashville for a few years. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we were going to spend Christmas out there to spend Christmas with his family. So we did an early Christmas ex gift exchange with my family and we did um, one round of gifts and then the second round of gifts we had everyone open at the same time and it was the big reveal and it was the most precious thing my mom started crying and my dad just started clapping like crazy my brother ran out of the room screaming like everyone had the most precious reaction and it was exactly what I had pictured again and I remember thinking that night I was like December 21st or 2nd or something and I remember having this thought of like wow this has just been the perfect year. I had such a great year with launching a book and going on a tour and my podcast growing and now just finishing the year being pregnant, right? Thinking like picture perfect ending. And then we flew to Arizona the next day and we couldn't wait till the next day, which would have been Christmas Eve to tell Matt's family. So we just told them all that night and said, we have an early Christmas gift. You have to use it on Christmas though, so that they wouldn't be suspicious, gave them their gift. And within just a few hours of that and revealing the big news to them and having the same, you know, big excited reaction, I actually started noticing some spotting and I panicked because I had never been pregnant before. And I was like, oh my gosh, something is happening. And I called my friend who is a midwife and she's like, actually that can happen in the first, you know, eight weeks or so. It doesn't necessarily mean anything's wrong. Just take, you know, take it easy. Um, if it gets worse though, it might be good to go into the ER just to get checked. And I said, okay. So I waited it out. It actually slowed down for a day or so, but then the next day on Christmas Eve, um, while out, while having Christmas Eve brunch or lunch or whatever it was, um, that's when I realized the bleeding had really picked up and we ended up like running out the door and going to the ER because I was just so panicked. And, the short story of that is found out that I had a subchorionic hemorrhage, but the baby was alive and had a heartbeat and was just like, you know, little embryo in there. And they were like, well, this can go one of two ways. You either could lose this baby and this, you know, or this could heal and go away. It's just like a little pocket of blood that can sometimes form. Um, so you just kind of have to do nothing. 
and go on bed rest. So for about a week and a half while I was in Arizona, I was just sitting in a hotel room for the most part. And it was really hard to like enjoy the holidays because I was so worried as to what was going on. Uh, But when we flew back, I was able to get into a doctor to get a checkup ultrasound. And that's when they told us that we had lost that baby. And that was hard in its own way. Like I found that because I had two losses and I found with the first loss um, that was hard in its own way because it was my first pregnancy and no one gets pregnant for the first time expecting like that's how it's going to end. So even though I wasn't quite as far along, it was still just like, no, this this isn't happening. Like there's supposed to be a baby here in August. What? Um, So that was definitely um, overwhelming in its own way. But I was, you know, my body was already going through the process and I didn't have any complications or anything, um, over, you know, com- like from that point forward, it was just my body did what it needed to do and it wasn't a fun experience. But for the next two weeks or so, my body just healed. And um, I talked to my doctor and she told me she's like, this probably isn't going to happen again, but I'm kind of proactive. So I started working with a functional doctor, wanted to get some just baseline hormone check and things like that. So I felt confident trying again and ended up, you know, feeling like, okay, like that happens to a lot of people. It's going to be fine. Got pregnant again in March, found out in April and carried that baby to through the entire first trimester um, and saw multiple ultrasounds and little arms and legs wiggling around. And I was like, that's an actual human in there. Like, whoa, you know, and it just suddenly became so real to me. And I finally, after the the end of the first trimester, like let myself believe it would be okay because I had gotten into the safe zone or the, you know, in air quotes, safe zone and gotten past the time where I had lost the first baby at, you know, seven and a half or eight weeks and was really a lot more optimistic while you know through getting to that point and um then went in for a checkup during I think it was during week 13 and it was just supposed to be a Doppler because they were just monitoring me every two weeks and the last ultrasound had gone so well and strong little heartbeat everything was great that I was just doing a quick five minute Doppler read and then was supposed to go to lunch at with um my mom and my aunt and my grandma at the place we were gonna have my baby shower and that was gonna be the plan and then they couldn't find the heartbeat on the Doppler and then did an ultrasound to see if maybe the Doppler just wasn't picking it up. And it was just the most devastating thing because I saw the same tiny little baby there. Um, but bigger this time, just most motionless and with no heartbeat. And Matt and I were just so shocked and devastated because we had just gotten to the point two weeks prior, at just, just shy of 12 weeks where we were like, Oh my gosh, things are going to be okay. You know? And it was shocking. And then, you know, you and I've had a lot of conversations about this, but this time my body had, totally thought it was still pregnant and didn't have any reason to think that, you know, it needed to give birth at that time and ended up having to have a surgery, which then led to six or seven weeks of follow-up complications. Um, That was pretty traumatizing and led to a long, long recovery time. So, you know, that was a totally different experience than the first one. And I think it brought up a lot of other things. And I I always say like the first one, I was sad and heartbroken and confused. But the second one, especially shortly after, I just felt sad, heartbreak and confusion, but also despair. Like this is just always going to be my reality now. Like this is how it is. And that's kind of been the experience in a nutshell. That's the, the most spark notes of a version of the story that I can give. But yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me and for everyone. I know that that's just, it's not easy to to relive that and um, talk about it. So I really appreciate that. And I think something that you said of in the beginning, you telling Matt, your husband, and then your family, and it was around Christmas. And you said a couple of times, it was everything that you could have possibly expected it to be. Like mm-hmm. it was everything that you 
had ever envisioned it to be. And I, I think when you first get pregnant and there's that excitement and everyone's so excited and you're celebrating Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, this is, this is it. Like, this is Mm -hmm. what I've dreamed of before. This is, this feeling just feels great. And, Mm -hmm. and that feeling doesn't happen for everyone because Mm -hmm. sometimes pregnancies happen unexpectedly and, Mm -hmm. and you're afraid and terrified. And so that's totally valid and okay too. But in those moments where you're just like, this is exactly what I expected. Mm -hmm. And then just a few short weeks later, having something happen and, and losing the baby that is so unexpected it's Mm -hmm. so jarring it's Mm -hmm. so out of nowhere it creates this new reality because it's something that you never thought could be possible for you Mm -hmm. and and now it's this new reality that you never expected to have to go through and Mm -hmm. I know that both of us have found ourselves there this year in Mm -hmm. okay we didn't expect this I didn't Mm -hmm. want this And so now what do I do? Because I was not prepared to go through this. For me, I was not prepared for Mm. the loss of Jace. I was not prepared for how physically sick my body was for Mm. months and months after. If you're new to my story, um, I went septic, which then caused the loss of my baby boy at 16 weeks. And then... Um, I had retained placenta actually for three months that kept causing infection after infection and no one could figure it out. And so then I had to uh, finish it and finally have them have a delivery or a a surgery to finish the delivery. And so Mm -hmm. my body was not prepared for the Mm -hmm. amount of pain and trauma that it went through. And so now you're just sitting there like, what do I do next? Yep. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. So for you, what were or what was that first step forward where you're like, life is still happening. Mm -hmm. I need to start taking steps forward. What did that look like for you? Um, Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, especially when you have a physical like the weird thing for those who maybe have not walked through this and maybe were in a position that I was even a year ago where I thought like, oh, well, that's sad, but it just wasn't meant to be. It's, I think, important to understand that a lot of times for many women, there's a lot of physical uh, reminders and repercussions. Like, yes, it's a sad loss and we need to acknowledge it as a loss. But like you just shared all of the ongoing complications for months. And like I've shared with you, I had a lot of that, too. Sometimes your body will think it had a baby and produce milk or just do different things. And all of those are just physical reminders and triggers that don't, they almost don't allow you to like emotionally and mentally be able to move forward, at least not at the pace that you would like. And I think that's just something I want to kind of highlight because you touched on that with your story as well, that if you are just listening and you know someone who may have gone through this and it's been, I don't know, four weeks and they still feel like they're just, you know, to you, it's like, oh my gosh, like they're still so stuck. Like be thinking about there may be some things going on with their body that you're not aware of and just try to extend grace on that. But, and if you have gone through that and you know that, I just want to affirm like you're not alone. Um, But for me, when it comes to what I do, 
did first, you know, I really, like you said, just you kind of feel like you're stuck. Like you and I talked about feeling like you're stuck in limbo. Like I just feel stuck in my life. Like I can't get back the babies I lost and I don't know what the future looks like. And it just feels like, and I can't get there because all these things keep happening that are complications. And so one thing that I, that was really helpful for me because I felt like I don't know how to function as if nothing has happened. And I also don't know if I should just be laying around here because I'm super depressed. Like I need to do something. And one thing that helped me a lot was my mom recommended that I do one normal thing a day when I was first just trying to like get back up a little bit and kind of recover from the just initial blow. Yeah. From the initial blow and shock. And so when I asked her to describe what she means by one normal thing a day, she, she basically described it like this. She said, when life knocks us down and like just sends us the hardest blow and everything we do feels like a reminder of it or like we're in physical pain so we can't forget about it. She said, I think we need to stop trying to forget about it or just busy ourselves because that's not helping us. We also don't want to just do nothing because then we just feel even worse. And so she said, try to make it a goal for the next week to do one normal thing a day. Maybe that's one work thing on Tuesday. Maybe you record one podcast episode or you send an email or you just do one thing that feels like you're dipping your toe back in without feeling like you have to go all the way in. Or maybe that's going to the grocery store and just going and like doing something that's not related to medical stuff, not related to birth or miscarriage or pregnancy or or anything like that. And so that was what I started with. I just started with making a goal for the, you know, once I got to a place where I was like, okay, this week I want to do something meaningful. I just chose one normal thing a day for the next seven days. Sometimes it was work related. Sometimes it was just like, go for a 30 minute walk because as simple as that sounds in that time, I just, I was doing nothing but laying on the couch and like crying for like the first two or three weeks, you know? And so that was a really helpful way for me to kind of start easing back into life a little bit. And even though my body hadn't fully physically recovered, just giving my mind even a little bit of a break by doing one normal thing a day. And then eventually, you know, the next week that turned into two normal things a day and just slowly started to build a little bit more, but it was a really grace-based way to kind of enter back into the world. That's so good. And I think a lot of times in the beginning, everything feels really overwhelming and we want to like snap our fingers and get back to the life that we had before or the life that's waiting for us in the future. And it feels really complicated Mm -hmm. to try to jump just back in, which your body and your experience needs Mm -hmm. to, there's so much healing that um you get to do and and to put that pressure on yourself to just get back into the normal swing of things um creates such a burden and so i love that Mm -hmm. just focus on one normal thing every Mm -hmm. day something that was really really good for us Mm -hmm. it was right in the beginning was doing something to honor our baby Um, we actually created a little Mm -hmm. courtyard Mm -hmm. in our backyard and it's Jace's courtyard and in it, we have special plants. We have, um, my sister got me a wind chime with his name on it. It was just creating something tangible and physical to honor him. I think a lot of times when women go through miscarriage, Mm -hmm. something that I'm hearing a lot is that. They don't know if their feelings are valid or other people aren't recognizing that they even had a baby or like what, what does that family dynamic now look like? And 
it can look like however feels good for you. Mm -hmm. But for me, just having this place to honor his life um, that we can physically look at whenever we want to was really, really powerful and good for us. And it also helps us like the wind chime Mm -hmm. my sister got me when she and her family are over and the wind chime goes someone or, or my niece and nephew will say, Oh, look, Jace is here with us. And, and it's helped create this space that we're not afraid or ashamed to bring up his name. Um, and it's something that wasn't just swept under the rug. Mm. And obviously that is going to be different for every single person, depending on if you want the baby, your baby brought up or not, but being able in the beginning to just acknowledge Mm the life that was inside of you and to honor that was really, really healing and Mm -hmm. powerful for me. Um, Okay, so. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So you have, so we have doing one thing a day to just start moving forward. Uh, There's ways you can honor your baby. Has there been anything else, Jordan, that Mm -hmm. has been, um, impactful for you to help you even feel mm. excited again about your future? Yeah, that's a great question. And I just want to echo what you said about honoring, honoring the baby in some way and whatever way that feels good to you. I would a hundred percent agree with that. We, we planted a garden, um, for our second baby and it just, there is something powerful in that tangible piece, um, for the, for the moving forward piece and just things that have been helping me, you know, I've had to kind of reframe. I started to realize not only is like their grief and there's confusion and also the, even the worry of invalidation. Like I've had, I have had experiences and I'm sure you have too, where people will make comments where they're trying to make you feel better. Better, but but what they're doing can sometimes come across like they're minimizing your loss, right? Maybe comparing your scenario to someone who in their mind has it worse or has gone through in their mind real tragedy or anything like that. And it can be really invalidating. And that's why honoring is so key. And um, as I thought a lot about like, why does this hurt so much um, outside of just like the, the sheer fact of it's a loss and it's like totally not what I expected and it's painful disappointment and everything else. Um, I started to realize it's a huge unmet desire because for, for me, and I'm sure for you and for anyone who's walked through this, you find out you're pregnant, your body starts drastically changing. You have all the symptoms, you carry a baby for three, four months, however long. Um, and you begin planning, you begin dreaming, you, your, it's like your maternal instinct kicks on. And I truly believe that's a thing. Like we go into like protection mode. The second, you know, a baby is growing inside of you, a lot of times it can be like, okay, what do I need to be eating and doing and making sure that I am nourishing and protecting this life? It's like this sense of ownership. Um, and when that kind of gets ripped away in a way that is so unexpected, there's these unmet desires of like the natural desire to create, the desire to nurture. These inherent, beautiful, good desires can sometimes be can be left just hanging there and there's this void of like, I need to fill this. Like I should be mothering. I should be nurturing right now and I'm not. And it's a very strange void to walk through. And um, one thing that really helps me, someone put it to me this way, is look at this as a season to almost like mother yourself. Oh, I love that. Um, and that was kind of convicting because because I um, 
tend to just go and want to serve everybody else and do all the things and build all the, you know, write the world changing books and create the world changing programs and all the things that we want to do to help and serve everybody else that we can like run ourselves into the ground. And I looked back at the last year of my life and that's kind of what I had done. I had traveled nonstop. I had gone nonstop. I had grown things. I had closed things. I had just made so many just strides, but I was exhausted. And I think when, when I started to look at like, what does that actually mean? Like I should be mothering a baby right now, but I also have these things in front of me that I maybe could pour that desire to create and nurture into, which was also kind of what you were saying about the courtyard or like with my garden, just something to create and create beauty with and, and to tend to, you know? And so I started to really focus in on learning about how to nourish my body because I had gone through a season where I was trying to be gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, all the things that could be bad, right? Or in in air quotes, bad or unhelpful in your body. And it became very restrictive for a little while. And I started to say like, how can I nourish my body and think about instead of thinking I can't eat that or I'm not eating that, think about, wow, I'm so thankful that I can eat all of this healthy proteins, you know, healthy fats, fibers, these things that are really nourishing and healing my body. So like shifting my perspective on that or creating morning and evening routines that are just simple. Like every morning we go for a morning walk and every evening I take a hot, warm shower and with a cold glass of ice water. I don't know why that's just a thing I enjoy. And so it like starts my day and ends my day because I noticed that the mornings and the evenings were the hardest because there was no other distractions going on. Um, So just finding simple ways like that to mother myself has been kind of weird. And at first I was like, that sounds kind of selfish and strange, but it's been so necessary. And then that's poured into and spilled into even my career. Like, how can I better steward this business that I have and give it legs or some systems that it needs so that it's set up for that when I do get to hold my baby, which I will, I believe I will in the future. I'm not in the weeds of that or overwhelmed and overburdened by it because I've taken this time to mother it and to nurture it and to do the things that I've known I needed to do to get people in the right places, to get the help I need, you know, all of those pieces. And so, yeah, I mean, just thinking about and looking at life, whether it's your marriage, your business, your career, yourself, like how are you mothering those things? Um, Even if you find yourself in a season where you should be mothering a baby. Hey, I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Peanut. The Peanut app helps you meet like-minded women who are trying to conceive. Peanut provides a safe space for women trying to conceive to build friendships, ask questions, and find support. It even introduces you to women nearby who are at a similar stage in their journey. Peanut provides access to a community of women who are there to listen, share information, and offer valuable advice. Whether it's understanding IVF, PICOS, or miscarriage, Peanut is a place to connect with women who understand. It's been an app that has been such a lifeline for me this year, being able to be in a community of women who are also in the same place as I am in their journey building their family. You can download the app for free today. Just head to peanut.app.link slash am. Or head to the App Store and find the Peanut app there. Now back to our episode. That is so good. And I think, too, something that I experienced was that after the loss of Jace, I hated my body. Mm-hmm. I hated myself. I, I was really mad at myself. I 
was disgusted when I looked into the mirror. I, I was squishy. I was saggy. I was just all of these things. And mm-hmm. I told myself all of these stories about mm-hmm. just how unworthy I was because I lost my baby. And mm-hmm. so I love what you just brought up of mothering yourself mm-hmm. because a mother would never say those hateful, hurtful things to her child. Mm-hmm. And so why do we say them to ourselves? Mm-hmm. And if we can get into this mindset of nurturing ourselves and mothering ourselves right then, that invites healing to come. And that mm-hmm. that releases shame. And, and mm-hmm. that allows us to really remember who it is that we are. Because when you're going through loss... Like that also, it's so easy to forget who you are. It's so easy to start just living in that shame story Mm -hmm. and living in the pain story that feels like you're never going to get out of. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just really, really being intentional about loving yourself. I actually, I put sticky notes all over my mirror because Mm. I knew when I got ready in the morning, I was going to be disgusted with who I saw. Mm -hmm. And so I put up sticky notes about who I was and, and that I am strong and I am brave Mm -hmm. and I am beautiful. And, and just those I am statements so that even if I didn't believe it at the moment, that when I looked in the mirror, instead of having all these negative things going, I was reading positive things about myself Mm -hmm. and um I just know and you know how overwhelming it is especially those you know that first month as you're just trying to figure out what just happened to me Mm -hmm. yeah um acting as if you are mothering yourself that's really that's really really good Mm -hmm. um something that I would also that I would love to talk about because You've been talking about it on your social media platforms, but Mm -hmm. there's a phrase that you've been known for saying um, that you kind of took a break from for a while and that you're now coming back to, and that's your brokenness is welcome here. Can you tell us about what that means to you right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So the backstory of that phrase, um, I shared it several years ago when I started with my little shop back in the day when I was still a college student and just kind of starting a side hustle. And um, a lot of my friends in my sorority house when I was a senior would help me package and ship and, um, you know, run this tiny little shop out of this storage closet. And a few, about a year or so after that, I had started blogging and growing that brand. And I happened to write a post about just the power of community and vulnerability because I was reflecting back on just different experiences that had kind of cracked me open and helped me kind of let my guard down and how pivotal that was to my growth and realizing, oh, growth and and strength isn't from just pretending you have it all together, but it's opening up, asking for the help you need, things like that. It's like a catalyst in the first step to really growing through the things we're walking through. And so I hadn't really walked through anything like this. Like I hadn't walked through loss or anything. But in those conversations I would have with friends as they would package and ship items with me, we would talk about breakups and insecurities and family issues and just different things all of us were walking through. And we just kind of be there for each other. There wasn't like an agenda or we're here to fix you. It was just like, a we'll listen and we'll, we'll laugh and we'll eat a pint of ice cream with you and we'll pray for you and we'll be there for you. And we're going to, and these women were also there for me, helping me start my little small business. And so 
Um, you know, a year or so later, as I started writing more and using social media more, I happened to write a post about this whole concept of community and support and vulnerability. And I used that phrase, your brokenness is welcome here in that post. And it was so crazy to me because I just started getting so many messages from people asking, do you have a t-shirt with that phrase? Do you have a sweatshirt with that phrase? Do you have anything with that on it? Can I put it on my wall? Like they just wanted to have that like invitation, um, as something they could share. And I thought, well, no, we don't, but we kind of pivoted away from my Etsy shop at the time was a lot of hand lettered decor and handcrafted items and things like that. And so we kind of pivoted away from that and released this t-shirt and sweatshirt line just with a couple of items. It was really small um, and it sold out within just a couple hours. I had a friend help me with it and she ran it for me as I promoted it. And um, it sold out in hours. And so we did it again a few months later. And again, it sold out right away. And it just continued to like mushroom cloud is kind of how I describe it. It just continued to grow um, kind of exponentially and very quickly. And next thing I knew, I had friends that were in med school and whatnot sending me messages like, I see your sweatshirts all around my campus. And I was like, what? Um, And so it just became this thing that eventually was, you know, people were ordering all over the world. And um, so this message grew and I and I absolutely loved it, but I took a break from it last year because I felt like over time it started, to, there was a lot of confusion, I think, surrounding the message. And I think sometimes it was taken to mean like, don't, you know, don't worry, be a mess. Don't try to grow like you're cool as you are, you know, kind of thing. And um, that can kind of, I think when the heart is to like help people move forward and grow, what can sometimes happen though, is if that isn't, if that message isn't understood clearly, it can actually hold somebody back from growth, right? Like, oh, okay, I'm just going to set up camp here then. And I was like, that's not quite what I'm going for. Like we can absolutely show up where we are and like struggle where we're at, but I don't want that to be exactly what's, you know, I didn't want that to be confusing. And so I wasn't entirely sure how to make that change. It's, I always kind of say it's like hard to move of, or it's hard to turn a moving train, right? When something is going full steam ahead and it is just rolling and this is how people are understanding it and viewing it and it's going at a hundred miles an hour. It's hard to be like, actually, this is what it means. Like let's, you know, so, and I also felt like, um, I just needed to get clear and I just didn't even really know the details as to why I just had this spirit, like this, this feeling in my gut and in my spirit. And I just felt like I needed to take a break. Um, even though it was working on paper, I really wanted to make sure that it was purposeful and that it was clear and that it had a clear mission and that it was lasting. And so we closed the doors to the shop, which at the time felt kind of like business suicide. I was like, why would I do that? This was working. But I just knew in my spirit I needed to take a step back and temporarily do less to ultimately be able to do more. And so I remember like after we made that announcement, I had so many people asking me questions like, why are you doing this? Like, why would you know demanding an answer and, and a full explanation? And I just felt like it was like this, like the, like almost like God was just like, don't try to explain this for a year because you're in the middle of this and it's not going to make sense if you try to explain it right now. And I was like, okay, uh, that makes sense because I do feel like I don't entirely know how to answer this question right now. Um, and so anyways, little did I know what that one year was about to bring. It was crazy. I mean, that was in August and then in December. Um, I was sitting at a coffee shop and just had found out I was pregnant and I was writing down ideas for the next year and talking through things. And I remember I just wrote down this random idea that became crystal clear. It was just bring back soul scripts as a product line and support community for women walking through hardship, like super clear of like, don't try to make it a million different things. Cause it also had programs and so many things in it that it kind of felt like just a conglomeration of a lot. And I wanted it to be really simple and clear. And so I shared that with my team and a friend of mine, and it was more of just like a, okay, cool. Let's put that in our back pocket, maybe in five to 10 years. 
And then the very next month, I ended up walking through this miscarriage. And what was crazy is when I wrote that down, I actually included examples like divorce, miscarriage, cancer, et cetera. Like, I don't know why I would include miscarriage. I was not anticipating or expecting that to happen to me. But my husband, after, you know, once I went through that miscarriage the first time, he like brought me the page that I wrote that on. He's like, Jay, like, this is so crazy. You just wrote this a few months ago. This is going to bless so many people. And I looked at him and I'm like, I don't care about blessing people right now. Like, I just want my baby. Like, I was like not in the frame of mind Mm -hmm. to receive that at all. But I think what happened is, although I wasn't ready to receive it on that day, it planted a seed of like, huh, that's kind of weird, right? And so fast forward a few months and kind of had run that by my team and we had talked through the idea. But then when I went through the second loss, it really solidified like, whoa, I probably, I should do this, you know, like, because one huge thing that came up that really solidified this whole full circle story for me and the clarity I was looking for when I decided to take a break from it was one thing a lot of people said to me when I was going through both of the losses was something like, um, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. Or there are no words. They would just, you know, cause there aren't, there, there really aren't, but words can also be so healing. And I thought about soul scripts and when it first started, it was a hand lettering company where I'd hand letter encouraging quotes and different things verses and whatnot. And I would share that, um, you know, on my art. And it was originally just encouraging words for the soul, kind of like chicken, chicken soup for the soul, like soul scripts, like prescription. I don't know. I just had this like little play on words with it. And it kind of all of a sudden, like I thought back to our roots and what it really started as. And it became so clear to me, like maybe there's a need that this words company that I started back in the day could really serve. Like there's words can be so healing, but so often we don't know what to say when hardship strikes. And so I wanted to, I just realized like I could bring it back. And the mission statement is, um, we give you the words when you have none. And the whole purpose is, you know, this is something you can send to a friend. So good. I love that so much. (laughs) It's been uh, through the fire that we've had to get that clarity. But, you know, it's just like this is a felt need and a a need and a problem that this can serve. And when you don't know what to say to your friend who's just walked through a miscarriage and you've never experienced that and you're like, uh – you know, I didn't want flowers the second time I went through it. The first time I was like, bring them out. And the second time people sent me flowers and I like threw them out in the grass because I was like, I don't want a reminder of the exact same thing I just went through. Like they're beautiful, but they're going to die in two weeks. And that's exactly what I feel like I just went through. Like, I don't know why it just all like I, and I told Matt that when that happened, I was like, I don't want flowers. And he was like, well then create something that's another alternative to them. And I was like, I am, I'm going to, you know, like I was so determined to say like, for some that's such a huge blessing and they (laughs) love it, but I wanted to provide another option, not only for miscarriage, but when a friend walks through a scary health diagnosis or a a, a breakup or a heartbreak or, you know, uh, anything that's just like, or even this year, look at what this year has done to so many people. So many find themselves, you know, with broken dreams and shattered plans and lost jobs or weary in the in the workplace or in the medical field. And I just wanted this to be something where you could send to a friend and essentially communicate like, hey, I'm here for you. And I see you where you're at. I'm going to love you where you're at. And I'm going to love you enough to not let you stay there forever. Like we're going to get through this and I'm here with you for the long haul. Like that's what it's meant to communicate. And so anyways, we're bringing that back in October, just kind of in honor of what I've experienced and from, and for the babies that have been lost since October is um, pregnancy and infant loss awareness month, but also just for anyone who finds themselves walking through a hard season or knows someone that they love and wants to send um, just some words that when they don't feel like they have any to. I love it. And I I think something that's so powerful about it is that a lot of times, specifically with miscarriage, is and I know you've gotten messages like this too, and people really wanting to help, but they'll say, I'm so sorry. Like I literally have no words or mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. How can I help you? And 
and the burden that's placed on whoever has experienced the loss is really heavy because they don't they don't know what they need they don't I didn't know what I needed I didn't know how to tell anyone to help me I couldn't even yeah. help myself mm-hmm. and and I think that that is something that can be really overwhelming too in the beginning because like you brought up that sometimes people will say things because they really truly are Mm-hmm. in your best interest, wanting to offer words of encouragement or support. But sometimes those things that they that are said or not said are really hurtful. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, to create this um, space, this company that you have that can help give you the words when you have none is just so, so powerful. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who's listening, who might be wanting to know how to support a friend who's going through a hard time, specifically a miscarriage, Mm -hmm. Soul Scripts is a great place to start for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, just validating what your friend has gone through. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going to want people to show up for them differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I wanted to see my family and friends and other times I really just wanted to be alone. And so I think that one of the biggest things for supporting your friend or your family member who's gone through a miscarriage is really, really not taking anything personal. Mm -hmm. If your friend doesn't want to talk about something or doesn't want to receive something in a way that you thought that they might, Mm -hmm. um, because it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the pain that they are going through Mm -hmm. um and and being able one of the best things that happened for me was my sister was actually pregnant um at the same time as me and so we were so excited to be pregnant together and have boys together and then we lost the baby and so one of the things that she did first was she said you know how do we get through this together what is the best way for us to process and talk about our feelings with each other because I don't want this to be something that tears us apart. And Mm -hmm. so being able to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. right in the beginning and have those candid and just real and genuine conversations. Yeah. They're going to feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and they're going to be hard because miscarriage is hard, but I just feel so passionately about not allowing it to ruin special relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, because people don't know how to navigate that. So that's yeah. one of the reasons I love this soul script so much. Yeah, uh, Jordan, what is kind of like a final thing that you want to tell anyone who is going through a miscarriage right now or has gone through one mm-hmm. in the past and is really on this healing journey? I think I'm going to pass on something that my mom said to me um, about that sense you had mentioned just feeling like so mad at your body, right? And you made the comment, I think you posted this on Instagram and I loved how you said it. You said miscarriage feels like the ultimate betrayal and it's true. And um, there's that sense of failure, even though you, like logically, you know, like obviously that I didn't do anything to cause this, but it can still feel like, but something is wrong and, or something could be wrong. And I remember I told my mom just in like one of those really hard moments when I did want to talk and just kind of vent and process. I was like, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like such a letdown. 
And she goes, well, who do you feel like you let down? I was like, well, me and my baby, but also all of like our family, like grandma who had been commenting she couldn't wait for a great grandbaby or anything like that, right? Like anybody who makes comments in the most innocent, well-meaning way before you go through loss, those can come up again later when you're like, and I fell short on that hope for them, you know, as if it's like, as if you owe them something. And I said, and she goes, well, you realize that yeah. this, she said, you know, that this, this isn't a test. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, life is not a test. And especially the most sacred things like the like the journey to motherhood and motherhood, like you can't fail at something that was never a test and a pass fail to begin with. And that just really stuck with me because when something is so outside of our control, I mean, we can mm-hmm. do all the right things and things can still go wrong, right? I mean, we can look at, we can look at this in so many contexts, but especially in this context, I mean, I know how heartbreaking and frustrating and hard it can be when you are in a situation where you are doing everything you can to be able to carry a baby and have a healthy pregnancy and for whatever reason, something goes wrong. And you also know people who aren't putting in the level of effort that you are in whatever way you might be and feeling like, well, how come they can do it and I can't? And it's so easy to go down that like downward spiral and just continuing to look at it. Like my mom put it in that perspective of this is not a test. Um, and also about the beauty side of it. So one, it's not a pass or fail. Like you can't fail at something that was never truly a test. We just make it out to be like an achievement, I think sometimes. And two, I just want to talk I about beauty. that. Yeah, and I just want to leave you with something about beauty really quick because this is actually one of our necklaces. Um, It has this word on it. But, you know, when your body goes through a storm or trauma or hell, literally, um, it's so easy, like you shared, to look in the mirror and be like, what the heck is wrong with you? You're saggy now or you're scarred or you're flawed or you're not working and just say all these horrible things and even look in the mirror and not recognize yourself when you feel weary or you feel worn and you're like, my eyes just look so tired or my my skin has more wrinkles or I have these weird armpit rolls that I never had before or whatever the thing is that you're noticing is different. I'm seeing stretch marks I didn't have or just other other kind of marks of the the battle that you fought and the life that you've lived. Uh, we call that patina and patina, the definition of it is essentially like something worn with age that characterizes more beauty. And, and I just think that's something we, like, we often talk about battle scars, you know, um, but we often, that doesn't feel very feminine or beautiful. It just sounds kind of harsh. And so I love the word patina. It's really essentially like a surface appearance of something grown beautiful, especially with age or use. And if you've been through miscarriage, you've been through loss, or you've been through any hard thing, but specifically something like this, I know how easy it is to feel like your body betrayed you. And I'm trying to hold on to when I look in the mirror and I see these changes that have occurred as a result of two back-to-back pregnancies and losses, that it's not flaws. And patina is kind of my battle scars. It doesn't take away from my beauty. It adds to it. My mom puts it like this. She says, I always love my mom's advice. I share it all the time. But she said, you know, when you walk through these things, you're gain, you're losing ease and you're gaining depth and the, the wounds and the weariness that you have mm-hmm. is the wounds and the weariness you have is essentially what wisdom looks like. That's your patina. So I just want to pass that on as well. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad it was on my list of things to ask you. And then I totally forgot because all the other stuff you say said were so good. So I'm <laughs> so happy you brought up patina because I remember when you posted about it the first time and then the necklaces that you're launching right now that have patina on it. I'd never heard that word before and mm-hmm. the meaning and everything behind it is just so powerful. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to freaking <laughs> own my patina now. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just, I love it. So Jordan, thank you so much for being on here with me, with 
everyone listening today um, and, and to those of you listening, I just want you to just take a deep breath at some point today and just say the words out loud, I am strong. Even if you don't feel like it right now, you are so strong. You are so worthy. Look at everything that you have been through in your life that you've gotten through that has led you to this moment. And I'm just so proud of you for being here. Jordan, I'm so proud of you for everything that you've been through this past year and how you just keep showing up. And we'll have all of Jordan's links on how you can find her and Soul Scripts in the show notes below. And thank you guys so much for being here. And I cannot wait to see you next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.